Hello, and welcome back to Dot Waves as we continue to tell the story of Slunglow's Flood, Part 2, Abundance, and speak to the people behind the show who make it happen. When we left it last time, the detention centre in the city by the sea had just burned to the ground, and Gloriana had disappeared. Stay tuned to find out what happens next in the story. But first, today I'm going to be catching up with the show's lead designer, David Farley, as he talks me through some of the challenges he's faced staging a show on the water and his ongoing battles with a boat called Jetica. I went to David's makeshift workshop, pursued by a horde of pigeons, to get the inside scoop on what he and his team have been up to so far this year. So we are in my container, which is a little mobile workshop storage shed. Uh, and you probably hit, might be able to hear the pigeons um, outside um, who are uh, nesting in underneath the bridge above our heads. Uh, but yeah, this is where we store all the tools that we need uh, to build the show and maintain it, as well as the charging the batteries. And um, there's a big box of pyros right behind me um, uh, with a lot of explosives in it um, and yeah spare bits of uh, boat patches and glue so yeah so we've been being on water we said we literally have scenes written for performers in boats uh, uh, I'm a sailor myself so I really loved the aspect of being able to have uh, um, boats in there we've got our Jessica um, X um, lifeboat turned into a fishing boat uh, which uh, features in uh, part two and also in part three has a, uh, a ghostly appearance I mean the Jessica Blesser um, did need daily maintenance literally every night something would go wrong with her whether it be the hydraulic steering rod would snap or the impeller um, gave way or that she overheated or she had an oil leak um, so every day, kind of, so I know not now an awful lot more about diesel marine engines than I did previously. Um, but no, most mostly we're just kind of keeping um, ahead of the wind and what that was going to do to the scenery on, on, on the stage as it moved around. Like a, a regular theatre show, um, I would start with um, analysing the script and coming up with the concepts for the look of the show and um, how it's... Uh, work storytelling wise and image wise um, but then kick into the more practical side of things so specifically for a show on water looking at the engineering possibilities and how we can um, stretch our budgets to be used in the most efficient way uh, and um, yeah, looking at the nitty gritty of how that can then influence the design and the look of the show um, so that it's the two things kind of come together rather than fighting against each other so I guess one of the um, the big effects was uh, the rain that uh, in the text there was kind of bib literally biblical rain and how to get that happening in the middle of this 100 meter square body of water on cue uh, and then also be able to have each of these platforms move at the end of the show and for it still to be raining uh, as these pieces separate so the just the working out the the simplest way of doing that and a, a new a new area for me <laughs> so as yeah design uh, lead designer I also um, have a brilliant assistant Heleth and she 
very much looking after the costumes uh, on this side of things. So um, most things are kind of found. Although we, we made this lovely collage effect for the girls in the future of part three. Um, so she did all these the stitching for that. Um, then I have a, a team of set builders. So for part three, um, uh, lovely guys who we've worked with before uh, on White Way, or they they built the scenic elements and came and installed um, that RTE scenery. Um, and then lighting, I work very closely with the lighting departments, um, making sure that the sets and the characters look as best they can um, during the show. At the core of Slung Low is the idea of community and for me as a designer, and I've worked in many different theatres, big musicals, plays, um, uh, in, in lots of different countries, what's so rewarding is the community aspect and having the local community involved and the company very much feels like a family and the way that everyone kind of pitches in to help whenever they can um, is, uh, yeah, I, I find it a very very nice way to make work. The idea of Slung Low feeling like a gang or a community is a theme that people keep coming back to as I speak to them about the show. I guess in an environment that's windy, wet and high pressured, that's the sort of stuff that keeps a team going. Now, as ever, if you haven't listened to the last episode, I suggest you go back and get caught up because we're about to dive into the third section of Flood Part 2 Abundance, with Gloriana hiding out in Natasha, the politician's house. First night, she wakes screaming. I reach the door to the room. Sudden silence. I lean in, hear a sound like choking, like an infant trying to form words. My hand on the doorknob, then nothing. Just her breathing. I'm in the corridor like when Catherine was a baby, swaying, praying, sleep, little one, please sleep. I don't go in. Does she hear me in her dreams? Is she comforted? Same pattern the next night and the next, caught on the threshold. But the days are a delight. I find myself doing things I'd never done when my children were small. I cooked for her, really, opened a recipe book, sat on the sofa next to her to see what she was reading, and she read everything. My heart had been an empty space, but suddenly it was abundant. It was full again. A child, it teaches you to see the world again fresh, does it not? Shh, not sleeping through the night, your waif and stray. You don't know what she's seen, do you? No. Who is she? I don't know. Trying to redeem yourself. What do you mean? Taking her in? Orphan Annie. Will we be telling the press or the priest? Is it your soul that troubles you or history books? It's not that. You'll be a peace envoy next. Catherine, what's that? Turn it up. Unprecedented scenes from Istanbul, where last night a tsunami struck the ancient meeting place of East and West. At this moment, we cannot confirm what remains of this great city, once known as Byzantium. It's begun, hasn't it? What has? We're also receiving reports of colossal storms moving west from Asia Minor towards Eastern Europe. Oh, I 
One night the screaming does not stop. I follow my usual pattern to the threshold and waiting. But it does not end. Ancient sorrow like the song of whales. I push through the door. I see her squirming on the bed like a creature tortured on a table. I move to her, lie on the bed, curl myself around her, the smell of her hair, soothe, little thing, little girl, lost baby child, words like swaddling clothes, and the sadness seems to quiet for a moment, and I lie back, let the breath out, relief, silence, close my eyes, then drip. Water, strange, persistent on my face. I look up, and the room is crying. That's my first thought. The room is crying, and there is water flooding down from the ceiling. Not a pipe bursting. Water somehow formed within the room. Water weeping down on me from every surface. And I think of a scripture lesson long ago when someone said, is God silent because he weeps for us? And he has no words left, only tears. Oh, the water coming down. And I know it is somehow to do with her. The sea, something terrible is happening. This was the night of the shipwreck. The weather, it's been worsening through the week. Vast winds blowing in from the east. At first it was radio chatter. This is Coast Guard Clipper Drake. We have unidentified traffic, unresponsive, a mile out, over. They're sinking. Can you hear them? The water's rising at their ankles now. She was tormented, the girl, and animals smelling danger on the wind. What is it? What have you seen? You have to help them. You have to help them. Help who? The boat. There. What? Heading for the rocks. Can't avoid them now. Fire. Oh, Jesus. No, hold steady. Hold steady. What is it? They're going to hit. Where, where are you going? To them. What can we do? We're the ones here. We can try. It's been raining for a week now without pause, each day heavier. Tonight, hail hammering loud on houses. The people of the city turning up their televisions, televisions to drown out the noise, so they did not hear where the drowning started. But we saw the sudden light out to sea, the first explosion from the boat, and then... The people of the city becoming aware now, aware that something terrible is happening here. People reaching for binoculars, for cameras with long lenses, trying to see out across the waters, seeing for the first time the desperation of those living other lives. How are people people when they know their end is near? Do they reach out for arms of strangers? Do they cry? And this place, this country, this city by the sea, it is somewhere you read about disasters, not somewhere you can see them with your own eyes. Feel my heart slowing, man. The moment you know a fight can't be avoided, but battlefield feeling. And I've bounces other waves towards fire. We watched as the waves did what waves do, tore down what men had made, what men dreamed. I look across to her, the girl, the only one not looking out to sea, the only one stood with her eyes closed. I could see them, could see them packed so close they could not move, see them covered with pit, with shit, hollering out fear in the dark alone, waiting for the long night, and I thought, no, not tonight. Migrants, 
Hundreds packed like animals to the slaughter. And now the girl walks down to the seashore. And she knelt. Vast waves in front of her, she knelt. And we're here now, trying to come alongside. Rocks and a shattered ship. Wind and waves beating us away. Trying to roll the small birds steady in the great tempest. And my son moving to the prow of the boat, trying to reach out. And they were so close. The doomed ones, dead already, even when they're screaming out life. Just an arm's length away. I could see their faces, smell the stench of them. So close, like we were the same, but... But no, that arm's length was a thousand miles. The distance between having a future and becoming the past. And again and again, the waves pushed us away. And again and again, we went back to be pushed away. But it was too far. We could make no bridge. And they could not be reached. She stood the girl, opened her eyes, stood, and she ran at the water, at the waves, at the sea. And it yielded. It yielded to her. It opened to her. And she ran through waves held high above her. Ten feet, twenty feet forward was it. And then a wall of water in front, impassable. Ten feet into the tempest. Is that how far faith can carry us? And then the waves came crashing down and swept her back to shore. I looked to my left, to my right, expecting to see crowds. People fish-mouthed, hooked by awe. But it had passed unremarked, the miracle. Of all those there, only I had seen it. Catherine! What happened? The waves! What did she do? She wanted to save them. Take her! Take her back! Go! There was chaos on the shore. Emergency services running for boats. Bodies floating in now from the water. The people of the city out from houses, sudden misery tourists in their own streets. And then, like a rope thrown perfect through the crowd, I saw. Huh? Dad, look, the girl. There she was. Overcoat, oversized, drowning her. Older. So much older, but still it was her. Dad, go from the sea, I saw her. Dad! You see the girl? No, I... Come on, let's find her. You go. I'll, I'll follow. All right. I walk along the seashore towards her. Her face lit by the fire from a sinking ship, looking out to sea, lost. My hands were shaking. These hands have held a wheel steady in 40-foot seas. Ten feet now, five, and I remember her. Nineteen years old, standing on this seashore and the taste of her still in my mouth. Reaching out for her, like she'd just turned away at a party and I was ushering her attention gentle back to me. And it was now. Matthew. Yeah. At dawn, a surprise. Look at them. What? The migrants. Can't you see what's wrong? It took me a long time to see it. Concealed in plain sight. Oh! They were white! Everyone, the drowned, European, everyone. Born Christian too, I suspect, everyone. They weren't running from a war. They're running from the storm. It's come for us now. We should talk. About what? The girl. You want to know what I am? 
so do I. This much I know. I'm a something trying to become a someone. Like you are. Like you have been each every day of your life. Dark waters are rising in your souls. The ones from the sea could not be saved. Is this to be allowed? The storm is coming and it will find us. A plane through blue sky into a high tower. But there is love. I know, I have heard it. And if there is love, there must be an answer. That's what you believe in the West, is it? Right now, you think the rain is done to you. Right now, you think the rain is separate, but understand this. You too are liquid, which means you too may be implicated. You too are liquid, which means you can change. Where are you going? Want to find out what, who I am. I had followed her through the city. She stops now by the water, looking out towards the sea. How will you? How do you find out who you are? I don't know. I haven't learned how to do that. Let us learn how. You will help me. And so we began our little quest to make a lost one found. First, internet searches. Every country from which migrants were pouring. Pictures, phrases of foreign languages, paintings, pop songs. You ever heard Middle Eastern pop music? Wow. Or religious chants. Anything that might spur a memory, anything that might tie her to a place. Then libraries, largely because she loved the silence of our city's dwindling, empty library. Histories of amnesia, the effects of trauma, of drowning. Multiple possible plot lines for a mystery into which she could not place herself. A long journey which revealed no holy land, no place of origin, just the scale of a global crisis I had not grasped. 65 million people are displaced. One in every 113 people currently living on this little, oh, the earth. And this before the storm. And then one day, no memory before the boat. No. What do you like? Like? To eat, to wear, to do. I like your mother's food. Never cooked for me. I like your clothes. This scarf, I like this. My mother says I dress like a Palestinian, that I'm an ambulant political gesture. Not at all. There was a Palestinian in the centre. He had no scarf. Okay. <laughs> I like to listen. Who told you your name? That's how you know your name. You know who did this to you? No. We're going to buy you some gloves. It is ugly. It's badass. What's badass? Tough. I have these. You're beautiful. Look, these are better. Better? Not tough. These ones faded like they should be carved on a wall. Yes. And what are these symbols? Over and over. Can't you see? No. Fish? Fish? Like a child would draw. No. No. I'm too old for you. How old are you? 22. I'm so old I've faded. I'm too fortunate. I won't take advantage of you. Too fortunate to kiss? It's not like that. Show me yours. Your marks. Lift up your sleeves. I know they are there. Did that to yourself. Cut yourself, hot knife, yes. 
Come back to me. I want to learn by tasting. Come back to me. Later, I watched her sleep. She did not cry out in her dreams that night. You're powerful and you don't know it because you're completely your own. You're powerful because you're parentless. You can make yourself up. And in the morning, she woke and said, Is there a church? A church? I want to go to a church. That's next. And that's where we'll be leaving it this time, with Gloriana on the hunt for a church and a sense of self. We'll be back in the next episode with an interview with Nadia Omam, who plays the girl from the sea, and a chat with Matangov, the show's sound designer, to find out how he creates worlds from sounds. I'll see you then.